Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hey, good morning, What's up, man. buddy? Uh, I need more coffee. Hey, so you want to know something interesting? Tell me. So uh, yesterday uh, in the morning... I wrote my sermon and I'm like, hey, feeling pretty good. Got some time. So I, I went and worked out and then I, I went for a run. You know, I, I don't run a lot because running is stupid, but I was like, hey, let's try this. My wife has been running and she's getting faster. So I was like, all right, I, I got to step this up. So I'm, I'm running. I'm doing pretty she's, good. She smoked you, didn't she? Uh, no, she's not running with me, which was actually I probably would have preferred her to be with me at this time. So uh, I'm running. I got Max, my dog, with me, uh, going with a pretty good clip. I'm just about four-tenths of a mile in, uh, and I'm like, hey, I, I think I can pick this up a little bit. And all of a sudden, man, something happens in my calf. And I thought it was a cramp, but it's not a cramp. Like, I pulled a muscle. I limped everywhere yesterday. Everywhere, I, I'm still limping. I limped. I, I limped out of bed. I limped down the stairs, uh, and then you know what my wife does? She says, "Well, well, maybe you should have stretched." And I'm like, "Honey, I don't. I don't ever stretch. Like, like why would I do that?" And she goes, "You're getting older because you're 40." Y- yeah. So, so that happened, mm-hmm. and so I haven't talked <laughs> to her since. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the '90s, limping was cool. Yeah, I, I'm trying to bring yeah. it back. Uh, yeah. and maybe like pegging my jeans too. Yeah, you, you ever do that? Like pants? roll them up a little bit. Uh, no, no. But mm. I was never cool. So, but but you sag your pants, you limp a little bit, and then you you pull your hat off to the side. Dude, and you if were... you sag your pants, I think you have to limp. Like it like it's caught on your knees or something. Oh, so that's how that works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't All know right, how man. to do that. Let's let's jump into it. Let's All jump right, into so it. Hey, today, do it, man. Today, uh, our podcast topic, we are finishing off our silly series in Tulip, T-U-L-I. Wait, did you say silly? I accidentally, no, I didn't say silly. I, w- I slurred my words. Okay. We're, we're finishing our series. Not our silly series. I feel like that's silly. a VeggieTales thing. That's a, <laughs> you know, we can make a fun song out of that. Um, so we're finishing our series uh, in Tulip, <laughs> and we're on the P, which is the Perseverance of the Saints. Perseverance. I wonder, our, I wonder if our mic is going to pop as we as we talk about pop, perseverance. Pop, pop. So, uh, hey, actually, th- th- this really is. I mean, this is a sweet doctrine to me. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Would you? You want to kick us off? Yeah. So, uh, with every single one of these episodes, we've kind of started with the Arminian position and then read the Reformed position, and probably all of those positions were stated uh, with anywhere from six to eight sentences. Um, I have one sentence for each of these definitions uh, because it's pretty straightforward. Now, what I what I found was really interesting, and I think I think this was when I was reading Kevin DeYoung's book. Uh, Whatever that one's called, it's my shout out to Kevin DeYoung. You know, I really do oh, like that. him. I just can't remember the titles of his books. Oh, oh that one. Yeah, that one. It's you know, it, he wrote it's Canons of Dort something. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it was in his that uh, originally 
the Arminians in 1610, uh, when all this was coming up and they were trying to refute uh, the perseverance of the saints, uh, they, they weren't actually sure what they believed here. They knew that they didn't believe in assurance, but they weren't really ready to totally reject it. Um, but then apparently in 1618, their ambivalence, like in this doctrine, uh, actually became outright rejection. So I, I found that interesting. This was not one in which they they were ready to throw down against, but but they knew they were uncomfortable with it. Um, and they weren't Pelagians, uh, but but they were wrestling with how this worked out. So anyways, so the Arminian position says this, uh, those who are truly saved can lose their salvation by failing to keep the faith. Uh, now, there are some Arminians that actually disagree with this. So not every Arminian, apparently, and this is what I read, so I, I'm, I'm not yeah. as, as sure on this. Most every Arminian yeah. I've ever talked about agrees that they can lose their salvation, but possibly this one may be a little bit up in the air. Um, yeah. yeah, so there you go. Yeah. The essence is they believe that they can lose their salvation. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we have to you know also recognize that there, again, is there are people who are still wrestling with these doctrines totally as well. So, you know, and some who have settled on a, what they would call a Calminian position. Dude, that, that just sounds disgusting. <laughs> like, it sounds like some hey, disease hey, of something you ate and it's in your stomach and it's like, dude, did you get the Calminian? Oh, don't, man. Don't ostracize our brothers. No, it just sounds weird, brothers. like the name. I'm not okay, ostracized. Okay. I, think, I think it sounds weird. <laughs> like, oh, you okay. know what it is? It's like a sandwich. I'm, I'm listening. Okay, a sandwich. Like, go like ahead. you go to the, you know, like we got the sweet, awesome sandwich place called McConey's, and uh, dude, I could go there and, and get the Calminian. <laughs> yeah, fully loaded. Fully. <laughs> okay. Except cheese. That's, oh man, cheese is the best. All right, so the reform position, <laughs> um, and I had to, I had to do some editing, uh, by the way, because uh, either yours or Siri's grammar is uh, needing uh, some improvement. We'll, um, we'll blame it on Siri, but we okay. know what we really mean there. Mind. Yes, um, all who are chosen by God are redeemed by Christ and given faith by the Spirit will be eternally saved. Or are eternally saved. And again, that's the grammar issue. God is the one who keeps the redeemed in the faith. Now, to be clear, I don't think the grammar problem was on my side. I think it was on your reading. No, I, I already had to fix one thing. Oh, okay, that's it. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, real quick, back to the Calminian position. Great. I'm uh, hungry now. Sandwich. Okay, sandwiches. Uh, uh, again, you know. These are doctrines that that people are that people struggle with that people you know work out over time, um, and and what I found uh, to be true of a lot of people, it's easy for them to accept total depravity, easier, or at least a degree of total depravity, and easy for folks easier for folks to accept the perseverance of the saints. Wait, degrees of total depravity? Well, okay. Is, so, wouldn't that be like not total depravity then? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. I, but, but, and, and there I are hear you. They, I hear you, though. I, I know they, what you're they saying. They would see depravity as like man is depraved. Like, right. Just look at the sinfulness around us. I mean, read the news. And, and, and that's easy, easier than, you know, looking at yourself. Yeah. Because the truth is, we, you should be able to look at yourself and see the desires, the wicked desires of your flesh. And know 
that man is depraved. I mean, he, uh, every single one of us. Um, but the ones that they would struggle with are the ones in the middle, unconditional election, limited atonement, even irresistible grace. So, so you know, there's folks for whom they would say, I'm a two- or three-point Calvinist. Uh, and, and I think we need to have patience with them. I think, I mean, I, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on them. I would say that biblical, cons- biblical consistency, uh, that it's more consistent. It is consistent uh, uh, to keep to all five, uh, to come to an understanding how all five play totally. in. Yeah. Uh, because they do play off of each other. They do, I mean, they interlock with each other. Uh, in, in, in such a way that uh, total depravity requires unconditional election, um, requires irresistible grace. Uh, um, and what we see is a limited, or should I say a specific, or um, uh, what do we, what's the word we used? Uh, oh, for, for which for, one? For limited for atonement. Uh, particular for atonement. or definite, definite atonement? Definite atonement. Um, uh, which which means we will persevere. Yeah. Uh, so so there's there's a you know when you understand the doctrines it, it, they really play into each other and it's man and it is a it is a wellspring of joy and security uh, that that leads us and I, I love what Metters uh, was saying uh, how it leads us to act it doesn't it doesn't lead us to sit on our duff uh, but yeah. it leads us to to really to walk out to live out our faith in fear and trembling. Which I think um, that's a that's a big that's kind of the misconception I think that often Armenians have of the Calvinist position is that their doctrines lead more to passivity, which, yeah. which interesting, like uh, one thing that was really helpful for me, I, I think it was Sam Storms, but I've heard it by others. You know, you're not ready to really argue a position until you're able to articulate your opponent's position in the way that they would. Um, and, and I know that there's Armenians that will accurately uh, communicate the Calvinist position, but a yeah. lot of them, and, and I'm sure it goes both ways. I'm sure a lot of times the Calvinists, we, uh, overcharacterize their positions, but oftentimes what I've heard is when Arminians describe the Calvinist position, like perseverance of the saints, they'll be like, well, you just think you're saved and you can do anything you want and you can't yeah. lose your salvation. It's like, that's not at all what we believe. I thought, uh, Metter's actually, man, he had a couple just well, his whole chat, his whole book is good. Again, but, uh, a couple quotes from him. Um, I, I really like this where he kind of w- was saying, look, salvation isn't a certificate of acceptance. Salvation is yeah. connection to Christ. It's yeah. baptism into Christ. It's an ongoing gift of faith that abides in, endures. Oh, man, that's, oh, man, look, my wife just says, hey, love you, podcast well. She's like encouraging us, although <laughs> totally interrupted. All right. But better goes on, it says it's baptism into Christ. It's an ongoing gift of faith that abides in, endures because of, and enjoys knowing Christ. To be in Christ is what it means to be saved. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. That last part's what Paul is saying. So I really like that. If if we think of salvation as just something I accept, like, hey, I, I choose this, like, 
like I choose a sandwich or I choose something when I go to the grocery yeah. store, yeah. then it's like, ah, yeah, I chose it. But, you know, before I got to the checkout line, I, I threw it back. Um, but when we realize, man, salvation is not something like I'm, I'm choosing necessarily, but it, it's connection. It's union. It's becoming in Christ. Christ is in me. Uh, I think that really changes the way we, we understand um, the security that we have in Christ. Well, and, and John Piper, uh, in his last... J. Pitt. Oh, gosh. Um, Did I ever tell <laughs> you, you know, I met John Piper? Yeah, so like two podcasts ago, you... you oh, really? Him. Yeah, I yeah, tried to slip that like, in like every... That, you, that's... Every yeah. other... I hugged yeah. him and like, yeah, they yeah. escorted me away. Yeah, sorry, go did ahead. You, did you also see one of Peter's 12 fingers? I mean, have you, you know... No? Peter had 12 fingers? Well, according to the Catholic Church... Seriously? There's like 12... Yeah, he's... <laughs> I think there's... Uh, there's, there's a number of phalanges that belong to Peter, the apostle, that the Catholic Church has, and they... Um, they, they got like 12 of them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so uh, he, he said in his T4G, uh, his T4G sermon, which I, th- I found really, really appropriate, what we've done by, by counting decisions for Christ as those coming to faith... Is, is is we've for one we we've we've made it we've made it a choice of man and not new birth. Hmm, that's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's the, we're counting at that point. There's people for whom, yeah, even the devils know. Even the devils know that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, but is there is there new birth? Is is there? Um, Something supernatural happens spiritually, hmm. um, uh, and man, I, I just briefly listened to it uh, a few days ago. Uh, maybe we'll throw it up on our on our website as well. Um, but but he he separated. You know, we can't just say because someone made a decision for Christ, uh, we shouldn't say that yes. Uh, they're part of the body. Now, I, there's other means of discerning, and, and we'll talk about that later, right? Because those who persevere are those who are part of the body. Right. Um, so, so what does it mean both both to persevere, and what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? Well, I think uh, to, to start, perseverance is not us partnering with God so that we keep ourselves yes. saved. Um, our perseverance is only possible by God's grace. We remain in the faith through uh, and through by God's grace. Uh, yeah. And so I think, I think that's one thing. It's not, it's not like God's doing his part and, and we're doing our part. What we believe is that the reason we are saved, um, the reason we stay saved is all by God's grace. Um, yeah. uh, Metters had another good quote, the father who chose you before the foundation of the world, the son who paid for your sins on the cross, and the spirit who caused you to be born again are all unified and securing your whole salvation. God has not only secured the verdict of justification, but also your sanctification, resurrection, glorification, and your inheritance to come. God ordained the end and the means to the end. He will conform you into the image of his son. Which I just loved how he kind of just phrased all that and put that together. But uh, when, you know, when we're talking about salvation, it's it's what the whole Trinity has done. It's what they have worked within our hearts, um, and now. Uh, 
the work like Philippians 1 6, the work that God began in us, he is bringing to completion. And and surely we believe in, in our works, um, like uh, Philippians, was it 2, 11 to 12, 12 and 13, somewhere in there, where uh, it is God who works and it in works us. In you. Yeah. yeah, to will and to work uh, for our salvation. And so the reason we work is is by God's grace. And really that's what comes down to kind of all of the doctrines, like the reason we believe is ultimately, yeah. you know, by God's grace. Um, the, the ultimate means in in all of the outworking of the Christian life is God's grace. Um, and so that's well, when we're talking perseverance, we're talking God's grace, sustaining us, persevering us, um, enabling us, moving us towards uh, towards obedience, towards, uh, you know, following the very things that he has called us to do in Scripture. Well, I, what I appreciate about, about Metters uh, in, in this chapter, first of all, he calls it, he holds our hands. Um, yeah. And so, so I appreciate his metaphors and his, even his chapter titles. It's not your typical, you know, um, total depravity. You're just on the little zone. You, know, you mean like the ones we're using for our podcast titles? Y- yep, that, those ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Noted. I'll Noted. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, I just I, don't I, like titles a lot. I mean, I get but, it. They're really important. They're hard well, to come up with sometimes. Well, for us, we're also we're identifying, you know, what people, so people know what we're talking about. So it's yeah. not like, you know, I'm not, by, by no means am I upset about our podcast titles. Um, so that wasn't uh, like a jab at me? No, no, it wasn't a jab at you. If I wanted to take a jab at you, I'd, you'd see it coming. Hey, um, <laughs> but I, I love how he says, believers will not. Dash cannot unbelieve. Yeah. Will there be periods of doubt? Certainly. Will we sin? Yes. Will there be periods of backsliding into sin and belittling of God's grace? Probably. But prodigals eventually come home. Sins that have already been covered by the blood of Jesus cannot be uncovered. And this verse is always true. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and you know, look, not that personal experience dictates it does not dictate our belief but hopefully we can take our personal experience and see how it lines up with scripture right i mean i i just recall my period of rebellion where really i just didn't understand the gospel i didn't understand who god was and what i understood of the gospel then caused me to believe well i just i'm I'm not good enough which i wasn't (laughs) you know uh, i just can't keep myself sinless which i couldn't uh and so I turned, I, I did, uh, 18, uh, senior year of high school, turned, literally tried to run away from God. Wow. Tried, tried to unbelieve. Thought I could. And I just recall, you know, um, coming to a point where, where I had to say, I can't unbelieve. I can't. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe the Bible is His Word. I must not understand it right. Yeah, um, believers cannot unbelieve. Well, I, and I think a problem that we have is, you know, the way we we see churches. When we see people in churches, we a lot of times assume everyone's a Christian, and then all of a sudden. You know, something happens and and some people leave the church and some people never come back to the church, Uh, you know, or maybe they change churches, you know, three or four times and eventually they just kind of say, you know what, church isn't for me. Now, now some of those people, they do, they come back uh, to the church and, and we see the evidence of their faith. 
But some we see, they, they never want to come back. Uh, they reject Christ. They move yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, and so then we say, well, well, yeah, they, they lost their salvation. Um, and, and I think a lot of times uh, a, a verse that I've heard, like Arminians will use, is where I think it's in, in John 6 where it says that, uh, you know, Jesus, God holds us, Jesus holds us, and then God holds us all in the palm of his hand. Um, and so God's not willing to let us go. Isn't that John 6? Am I... Uh, you're talking about John 10. John 10. So, he, like, God's holding us. Jesus is holding us. Uh, and so he's not willing to let us go. But here's the thing. If we want to let go, if we want to leave Jesus, then we can. So we're able yeah. to to open up God's hand, jump out of it, and run yeah. away. And he's not strong enough to hold on to us. And, and that's how, what I've understood... Um, many Armenians have kind of used as a means of articulating how how it is that people leave the faith, or or at least it appears that they're leaving the faith. So, so have you heard that? Is that is that like way yeah, off? Yeah, no, I've heard that. It's it's basically that. Yeah, God will keep us, and this is how Armenians will preserve the perseverance of the saints. God will keep us, but it doesn't mean that we can't jump out of His hand. So here's a problem, though. I mean. Jesus says, all the Father has given me will come to me, and I won't lose one of them. Like, like, I mean, well, you're, you have you're to going see. back to that Bible thing. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what exactly does it mean to be in the Father's hand or, or be, you know, to belong to Jesus? So John 10, 27, 28, is that's what you were referring to. Try, trying, right? trying to refer to. Trying to, to yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you have to realize right before that... He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, I told you and you do not believe uh, the works that I do in my Father's name. Bear witness about me, but you do not believe, check this out, because you are not among my sheep. So Jesus is separating those who disbelieve as not one of his sheep. But then he says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I will give, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Look, they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now, what's interesting is John 10 if I recall, is not far chronologically from John from eleven. John, John, well, John six. Oh, okay. I was okay. going back the other direction. Uh, or or John seventeen. I mean, really, either one of them. Jesus is kind of on the home stretch uh, to the cross. Um, John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Same concept, right? And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So and what is the will of him who sent me? John six thirty nine. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. I should lose nothing. So... Like when we go into John, like I, 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 I feel, and this is me, the perseverance of the saints should be one of the easier ones for us to believe. Um, just well, doctrinally so, speaking, like when we're, 
I mean, like, like what you just read, um, or, or even going just a little bit farther, like John 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the yeah. last day. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have passage after passage, uh, just talking about God's commitment to believers. Um, John five twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does yeah. not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Uh, yeah. Ephesians 1 talks about that we've been given the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our uh, uh, the guarantee of our inheritance and then Ephesians 4:30 will say that we were sealed you know with the spirit for the day of redemption uh, so I mean when we start thinking that that w- we will not be raised on the last day like there's an opportunity for that to happen what are we saying about God's clear word of of his will yeah. in in our yeah. saving and in, in our being secured in our salvation. I mean, I look at these these texts and man, they're meant to move us to worship, they're meant to move us to joy, yeah. they're meant to move us to confidence. They're meant to sever that root of anxiety that says, man, man, I screwed up. I, I fell into sin again. Maybe God doesn't want me anymore versus going, you know what? Man, I, I, God has saved me by his grace. And although I have sinned, I know that, that God has saved me and that through repentance and through grace, he continues to restore that relationship. Um, and I can experience that sweet communion with him. And I know that there's a day where I will be raised and I will never struggle with sin again. Um, I mean, like Romans 7 is that struggle of the Christian life, right? Paul says, man, yeah. the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And so here's a guy who's saying, man, in this world, I struggle. And, and there's going to be many people, just because of yeah. the way our personalities are made, that they're going to, when they struggle, they're going to go straight to anxiety, straight to depression, straight to thinking that, man, God, God doesn't love me anymore. There's no way he would want to keep me. And these verses, these passages are meant to, to sever those lies, to cut them and show them for what they are and move us to confidence and the joy that man, God does love us. What yeah. he began in us, he brings to completion. When he united us, when he adopted us, it's not a, it's not a, a possibility, but it's the guarantee. Well, and it's, it severs the lies of both the deflated ego and the overinflated ego. Because a deflated ego would say, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. Uh, uh, I've done this, this, and this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worthy of love. The overinflated ego would say, hey, I should be able to do this. Okay, I yeah. Sh- I, 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 I'm, I should be righteous, and God should love me based on my righteousness and how good I am. Uh, and, and really, I keep myself, and, and I make myself worthy of the love of God, and, and both of those are lies. Yeah. We, he loves us because he loves us, uh, and he loves us and has changed us. We we have a new nature. Um, I, I, I go back to John seventeen just to throw one more one more log on the fire. Right, uh, Jesus is is praying. He says, "Father, the hours come to glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you." So, Jesus is going to the hour where he is glorified on the cross. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So all that the Father has given Jesus, the Son, Jesus will give eternal life to. 
And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Yeah. You go down a little bit further. And he says, where is it? Where is it? There it is. Um, and I am, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. So Jesus, our high priest, is praying to the Father to keep us in his name, which you have given me, that they may be one even we, as we are one. So again, we are believing into and becoming one with God through Christ. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Who does the guarding? And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that, they're, that, they, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Yeah. Uh, so what you see is Jesus is keeping them. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Uh, sanctify them. Uh, I mean, it, the, the whole context here is Jesus is, has done the keeping, and now he's praying to the Father to do the keeping. Yeah. And what we see then is, and then in texts like, like first John, when there's a group of people that seems to, to leave the church um, and John, we read, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Now, now to be fair, to continue with us doesn't mean we never stumble. It doesn't yeah. mean we, we never backslide, like, like Meadows had yeah. said in that first quote that you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it means that ultimately we are going to persevere in the faith. We will continue to trust in God, to believe in God. Yeah, um, uh, yeah that it's, it's not, and, and that the reason that we do that is not because of it's our working, but it's because of grace working yeah. in us. Well, and, and I appreciated Meadows' uh, opening analogy too, where he talks about walking his son through the parking lot. Yeah, which one uh, was that? I remember it, reading that. It's foggy it's, at the uh, moment. He he walks. He says, "I you know I walk my son through the parking lot, basically holding his hand. He's holding my hand too, but it's not his grip on me that's keeping yeah, him safe. That's right. It's my grip on him. You know. And in that good dangerous. news, yeah, man, because I, like you think about like the the strength, like my son. You got you got little kids. My my youngest son, who's about to turn eight. He's seven, but he's about to turn eight. Like. Like we were wrestling around the other day and like I, I had like some paper in my hand and we were wrestling. He was trying to keep opening my hands and, you know, he couldn't. But then I'd let him have it. And, and then then I would be able to open his hands real easy and take the paper back. And we were just going back and forth, like doing that forever. Uh, my wife was trying on dresses. So we were we were, you know, causing problems in the department oh, store. Oh, you were in a department store. Yeah. So we're in a department store playing You're around with guy. this receipt. And so like anyways, we we're like wrestling all around. But, you know, like. It was easy for me to open his hands. He couldn't hold on to the receipt, the piece of paper, uh, very easily at all. But for me, there was no way he was getting in. And if we just take that and 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 you know blow that up so much farther, it's like that's like us with God. Like, like our our hands are are weak. If, if it's up to us to hold on yeah. to God, yeah. well, we're, we're not going yeah. to be able to do that. But by grace and by you know, it, it is God who holds on to us. Yeah, I, as you said that, I mean, I totally remember that quote. That was that was good. Yeah. Well, I well, think and, and, Kevin DeYoung said something also. Like, he said, you know, when you go out onto the ice, like ice skating, um, it's it's not your faith in the ice that keeps you up. 
it's the strength of the ice. You know, it's yeah. the object of the faith. And so, yeah. uh, you know, and I've seen those pictures, you know, like Minnesota and all where, where guys drive their cars out and they're like, man, we, we can drive our cars out and it'll be fine. And then like you see pictures later, like when they're on the ice and their cars are in the water because the ice wasn't thick enough. It's not our faith in the ice. It's the the strength of the ice that supports that which is on it. And it's, that's God's grace, you know? It's he who holds us. That's a great analogy for a whole nother topic, faith healing. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Um, okay, well, let's, um, let me do one more. I really like, Jude is one of my favorite passages on this, and I yeah. think, yes. I'm pretty sure the uh, the T4G conference you're referring to of JPIP uh, speaking is when he did Jude. It's not. Is it not? All right. Nope. Well, the Jude uh, sermon that he, uh, J, uh, Piper did back in like 2012 was probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard. Uh, which we were both at, by the way. Which Yeah, and which we had no idea. Um. But this is what Jude says. And here, here's the command. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So this is what he's writing to us. So we are to keep ourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show yeah. mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the yeah. flesh. And so the command is keep yourselves in the, fla- in, in the, faith, in the flesh. Keep yourselves in the flesh. Mm. No, no. no. Keep yourself in the faith. But now, now we're going to have the basis for our keeping ourselves in the faith. That's verse 24. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And so here we have, we're to keep ourselves in the faith. And so that's the command. But then undergirding that, what we have, the confidence that we have, that we can keep ourselves in the faith, is that ultimately it is God who keeps us. And then there's this doxology there. And what John Piper said is doxologies function as a means of of showing why, uh, or or as a means of explaining what comes before it. So, and, and why we are able to actually obey him. And I'm probably butchering that a little bit because uh, he said it really well, but he said it in a sermon. Uh, but the doxology function. So when we have, uh, when it says to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, yeah, dominion, yeah. and authority. All of those are meant to explain like God's majesty, his dominion, his glory, and authority are the very means in which he keeps us in the faith. Uh, so so let me... Let me um... Maybe go back to, and I know you have experience with this, with some close friends, and I do too. Um, what about the one who has shown, has shown um, what we would think is fruit, has shown uh, a demonstrated, what we would think is demonstrated faith? And, and I, I got to think back to the parable of the soils, by the way. Uh, we should probably look at that. Yeah, that's a uh, good one. Uh, but, but what what Metters is saying, he 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 wrote um, he wrote this. Our difficulty with processing 
and non-endurers in the Christian race is often because we tend to confuse, and we said this earlier, making a decision for Christ with being a disciple of Christ. Being yeah. a disciple is more of Christ is more than admitting who Jesus is. Demons do that all the time in the Gospels. Churches are often filled with those who have demon-like faith. People will say that Jesus is the Son of God, but then never love God or others, and they will slither in and out of our church week after week, but never hear the clump of the cross being dragged behind them as they put their sins to death. Discipleship is more than a decision. Uh, saying a prayer doesn't protect you from hell, neither will a profession of faith. And, and he, he mentioned this earlier, once saved, always saved? Sure, but the Bible doesn't teach once professed, always protected. Jesus was very clear that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of, the fa- of my Father in heaven, is Matthew 7. Yeah. So discipleship is about denying yourself as our own Lord and Savior, picking up our cross of death to self and following Jesus as Master. And the proof is in perseverance. A continued discipleship with Christ, as new creation in Christ, is God's will for his saints. So, what's the proof? Perseverance. What's the proof that you've been born again? Perseverance. Yeah. I just lost you. you no, I'm, I'm there. Uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, we're, we're doing this over the internet. And FaceTime works phenomenally a lot of the time. But but at the moment, I can't see Bobby anymore. Yeah. yeah. Can you see me? Nope. Oh. We're like, we're like right. flying blind. We are. That's all right. Um, yeah, so, I, again, I, I think that goes back to what we, what we try to do. And I think we said this with irresistible grace. It feels like we have chosen God. Like that's the the basis for our salvation. Um, And then oftentimes what we try to do is we read scripture based upon how we feel or what the experience seems like. Um, But what we then come to scripture and we see, like when it comes to irresistible grace, the ultimate reason we chose God, the ultimate reason we came to faith is because ultimately God drew us. So it's true To an extent, we chose God, but our choosing was only based upon his choosing us originally. And so when it comes to perseverance of the saints um, and looking at this, I I think a lot of people, what they do is they they look at experience and they see that, man, people have have left the church. People are no longer, you know, following Jesus. Uh, You know, they've now denounced the faith. And so obviously they've left the faith. Obviously, they pulled themselves out of God's hand um, rather than seeing, well, hold on here. What scripture says is that those whom God has called will persevere, will continue to yeah. demonstrate fruit. Um, it is those who don't persevere, those who do not continue to follow, those are whom actually never knew Christ. Um, and, and I get that's hard. And, and I have yeah. a, a real yeah. personal story with that. Um, I I had a buddy when I was in Michigan who, uh, man, he he grew up in the youth group. Uh, Man, this guy had phenomenal gifts. 
We regularly talk theology. Um, he loved Jesus, um, at least by all signs. Uh, man, he could preach. Uh, he he very much lived out what we what I would say we see in Hebrews six. He'd been enlightened, had tasted the heavenly gifts, shared in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it looks by all means like this guy is saved. Uh, but when we were in Michigan. Uh, we we experienced some pretty hard hard times in the church that we were in. Uh, there was definitely some some pains that took place, and he grew up in that church, so those pains ran very deep in his soul. And so uh, eventually, eventually over time, uh, we we actually left there, and and I moved out here to Washington. He moved out here with me, and he actually lived in our house for a long time. And he was battling a lot of the scars that just happened uh, from from the last church. And so we were, we were wrestling with that, going into scripture. But what happened over time is that he continued to believe the lies and he continued to let that bitterness, uh, that root of bitterness grow bigger and bigger, which, which caused him to eventually no longer want to be a part of the church. Uh, and so now he is, uh, he, he'll say, he'll say to at least me, he's agnostic, but I think to everyone else, he'd just say he, he's straight atheist. Um, and he has no desire to be part of the Christian faith. He's completely and absolutely walked away. He says that he doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, so here's a guy who by all means, I, I thought he was saved. Uh, it looked like he was saved. I, I, I look at this. This is like first John two where, but then he goes out and, and what I understand is he goes out and now he's denounced the faith. He shows yeah. very articulately and very intentionally. He has no desire to be part of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Now that's hard. Like, like I, I honestly, I, I didn't know what to do with that. I have wrestled with that yeah. so often um, with how could a guy in which I really thought that man, he was a believer that I have seen so much amazing work in to now. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're, we're, we're four years now that he's rejected the face. So this isn't like, you know, a, a three month season, a six month season. Uh, now, does this mean, you know, he, he wasn't saved? Uh, I, I think so. Now, could he come to faith? Sure, sure. By God's grace, I mean God's grace can can break the hardest of hearts, uh, but but it appears uh, by all means in which he has not trusted fully in Christ. And what we see is uh, is that root of bitterness that that anger is what drove him away. I mean, it really that's that's Hebrews twelve. Hebrews twelve says, "See to it that no one." fails to obtain the grace of God. So this is a command to the church. So it's what we see is that it is the church's work, a corporate effort in which we are to, to hold people accountable, to which we are to go after people, to which we are to love them. So a means in which God has chosen to keep us in the faith is, is the church. And then, yeah. so Hebrews goes on to say, so see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. And so so here we have this root of bitterness. It's kind of like a garden. I mean if you don't stay on top of a garden, like weeds can just begin like sprouting up everywhere. <laughs> and in fact in, at our church we have uh this kind of large island up by the the road and what I noticed the other day is oh man, there's some weeds in that. Like 
weeds are looking like bushes. And I was like, oh, man, like somehow that's been like off the radar. Like we've been tracking with all these other gardens kind of like around the building. But the garden farthest away, we've let go and it looks terrible. And, and so, so what? What? Go okay. ahead. So all these weeds are like now just springing up everywhere, and that's what happens. Not only does does bitterness rise up in ours, but but then it can spread yeah. to others. Uh, and so and so what actually Hebrews goes on to says so that no one it goes it talks about so see that no root of bitterness springs up causes trouble and by it becomes defiled that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal so we we have we have Esau who you know all the way back in Genesis he has no care for his birthright he's hungry so he gives it to his brother Jacob um, and then it says for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And so now we have this picture of Esau. Uh, now, it's important that we pay attention to the wording. What did he want? He wanted the blessing. He wanted the blessing. So he's like, man, I yeah. want the good gifts that are going to come through God's covenant. I want the blessing. That's what I want. And when we want the blessing without without. The, the one who blesses, what we see is that, man, there's there's no repentance there. Like he sought it with yeah. tears, but there is no obtaining the blessing when, when that's our goal and desire only. Well, and I always read that, that he wanted the blessing of the birthright, meaning the the property, the, you know, those kinds of things from his father. Yeah. Um, it, like it was the physical, material, you know, temporal things that he wanted um, and that he sold because he he gave into his just the his physical craving and physical you know passion which is interesting that that Paul puts that on par with sexual immorality yeah. you know the craving the, the, the god of his belly well um, I think what we see though is yeah I mean th- so these are tough verses for one like the Hebrew 6 Hebrews 12 there yeah. are some tough verses in Hebrews that that make us kind of scratch our head and I think Tom Schreiner has a couple books out there that that, that seek to to explain these well I haven't read those I've been wanting to pick those up but uh, but these are tough verses that they do cause us to wrestle with um, but I think what they show is is that when sin is left unchecked, um, it does seek to separate us from the body of Christ, and it seeks to, to remove us really from God. And, and so then, of course, there are many who will say, well, so that means someone has lost their salvation, where, again, what what we see is that, uh, I, I think what we would say is that, no, it's it's evidence that we've never been saved because we're no longer persevering. It's the perseverance of our faith that truly demonstrates that we have been saved. Did you did you bring something up there, Matthew? Yeah, I did. <laughs> we can't see each other, so so we're typically he would take a cue that I you know had something. I Normally, you would look at me and I'd be like, "Oh, would, that's good oh, stuff," but we can't oh, look at each other. We can't. We can't. Um, Flying blind. Just, just 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 real quick, Matthew thirteen. I mean, I it just fits so perfectly, and I think we often we often skim over this. The parable of the soils. You can't choose what kind of I don't I don't know that you can choose what kind of soil you are. <laughs> at least that's that's what at least that's how I've come to understand it. Totally. Well, I, I think we I just think, see there's there's I different soils. There's different soils, and and so Jesus gives this parable of the soils. Right there's and a farmer went in to sow a seed. He scattered it everywhere. Right. Some fell along the path. 
and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it didn't have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. All right, that's, I mean, Jesus explains all this too. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Okay, and then, you know, Jesus speaks in parables. Blah, blah, explains blah, blah, blah. it all, yeah. And then, Did and you then say blah, the, blah, blah to Jesus' words? No, no that's, I'm, here's what I'm trying to say. No, okay, sorry. I'm trying to get to, I'm not I'm trying to, get to the point. Because then he explains the parable, <laughs> right? Yeah. He explains the parable to his disciples. And he said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not. So now he tells them what it, what it means. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, like we need to understand the message of the kingdom. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So okay, those are the one. people, they hear the word and they're just like, nope, ain't going to do don't, it. Yeah, like or, quick or rejection. They, 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 yeah, quick rejection. They don't understand it. It's, it's stolen away, right? The seed fell on, on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. Looks good. Hey, yes, awesome. I love Jesus. Sin's forgiven. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Which, you know, to jump on that, which isn't that why in what First Timothy 3, when we're appointing deacons, it says, yeah. you know, don't appoint them right after they've come to faith. Don't you appoint know. a novice. Yeah, l- yeah. let them, let them yeah. grow some. Let them, let them be a little bit in maturity because, I mean, let, yeah. let's, let's be clear. There's people that that look great on the outside, man, they're, yeah. they're walking into church and they're like, Hey, let me serve. I'm ready to jump in anywhere. And it's like, well, I, I, for one, I don't know you or, you know, they've just come mm-hmm. to faith and they're ready to jump in. It's like, well, let's let them mature some. Let's, yeah. let's begin to see the fruit. Yeah. I mean, then moral people, right. You know, people who have it, looks like they have it together on the outside. Um, but when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they, they quickly fall away. Yeah. Because trouble and persecution will come because of the word, especially in our culture and our society today. Dude, that's the story of so happen. many people. Like, that's the story with the guy yeah. I was just talking about. Man, uh-huh. it was suffering that pulled him away. Um, yeah. And, and what we see in scripture is that for the saint, man, suffering increases um, our joy, like in, in James chapter 1, yeah. verse 2. Yeah. Uh, or it, it, it strengthens our character and our hope like yeah. Romans chapter 5 so yeah. suffering is a is a means in which not only do we grow in our faith uh, but it's also a means in which we demonstrate the love uh, yeah. of Christ but for the unbeliever it, it often becomes the very crucible which which then reveals that they don't have which faith it reveals reveals yeah. yeah yeah it causes I mean it just used the, the analogy it, it suffering causes us causes our roots to grow deeper it doesn't uproot us. It causes our roots to grow deeper. Yeah, that's word. good, um, man, dude. You should, you should like coin that one. I'll stop it. No, dude, okay. that was good. Like, say that again. <laughs> suffering. What is it? Suffering doesn't uproot us. It causes us to causes our roots to grow deeper. That's what man, I would say. That's good stuff. I'm sure I heard that's it somewhere. Bobby Gaither, uh, folks. Oh my gosh, Bobby the All man. Right. Verse Gaither. twenty-two. Here we go. Uh, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the dif- deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You know, I, I had a buddy. Seeds. 
I had a buddy in Michigan. He worked with me in the youth ministry. Uh, like, man, we, we worked really close together. And uh, he, he had been having some some trouble with a job. He was tool and die guy. And so eventually he he stopped. Um, he, he quit his job and he was looking for um, a new job. And so during that time, man, he was just working in the church. It was amazing. And then he, then he got another job, which made a lot of money. And, and we talked about, it, said, man, Hey, we, we got to be careful here. You're about to get into a lot of money. And, you know, while that's great, we just, just, just be careful about what that's going to do to our heart and, and how that may affect you. And he's like, Oh man, that's no problem. Don't worry. We'll just keep giving it to God. Uh, but you know what? The more he made that money, and the more things he bought, the more hobbies he had, uh, the less time he had with the church, the less time he had to read the Bible, the less time he had really for faith in God. And over time, he just stopped coming to the church. Uh, it was it was sad. It was like that lived out right there, though. And you're just sitting there, man, I, these lusts of the flesh um, just seem to push everything else out in his life. Yeah, man. Um and, and and I think we need to, and I've heard the phrase and uh, said by well-meaning Christians, you know, of, of their wealthy friends, man, if, if, if they could just be saved, the kingdom would gain so much. And, and we have to realize God doesn't need our money. <laughs> and God's money, like, God has all the money already. He, he has everything. I mean, he is the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness. You, you know, it's crazy. Let me just uh, like I'm just on a little bit of uh, evidence that God has all the money. So our church building is thirty something years old, and it's kind of looking old. You know, the, the paint job is is definitely needing some money now. For me, like I have no desire to spend money on a paint job. Uh, like we are looking at partnering with pastors in India. We're looking at uh, Thailand. We we just had a buddy get back from Romania. We got we got some people in, in Lebanon right now sharing the gospel. And I'm like, man, let, let's send money. We, we sent some money to one of the church plants here up in the NAB Northwest. And I'm like, man, let, let's let this money go to, to making disciples. I don't want to have to budget for... Uh, for a building to have paint. Uh, but, but I realize that God has given us this building. And so we do need to take care of it. So we're just kind of like, all right, God, you, you got to help us out here. Uh, how, how are we going to pay for this? And so then they're doing, the city's doing road construction on our, on our street and they had to buy some of our property. And guess what? They bought our property for exactly what it's going to cost us to paint our building. So, I mean, when, great, when we start thinking, man, if only we had some more wealthy people at our church who gave, then we could pay for these other things. It's like, you know what? God has all these crazy means in which he uses, uh, and I use crazy because it seems crazy to us, as these means in which he uses to advance the kingdom and to meet the needs within the churches. And so God's got all the so, money. I agree. Yeah, he does. So, Sorry, so back tangent. To the, it's all right. Tangent. Uh, uh, squirrel, uh, back to the <laughs> back to the parable. Uh, the, the the last soil, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. And now here's what's interesting. So so we have four soils. Four different types of people hear the word, right? One rejects it. One hears it, it sprouts with joy, receives it, but has no root. And so, like, when trials come, they die. One 
uh, it's planted among the thorns, so the cares of the world and the desires of the flesh choke the word and they die, or it's good soil. How do you tell? How do you know? And, and, and that's part of what, you know, we, we, we try to make distinctions, and we can't always do that. We don't always know. And, in fact, the, the next parable, Jesus talks about the parable of the weeds, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. The wheat uh, sprouted and formed heads, and then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And he replied, An enemy did this. So the servants asked, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He said, No, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I tell the harvesters, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And so you, you see... That there, there's going to be tares. There's going to be weeds among the wheat. Like there's going, there's going to be people who disbelieve in the church. There's going to be people who, who are going to claim the name of Christ, and yet they don't belong to Him. Yeah, I mean that's Matthew seven. You and know, I think that's a, that's a that's a good one to understand that yeah within the church, um, you have you have the true seed that that's grown, it's bearing fruit, but you're also going to have weeds. And, and oftentimes we will not always be able to tell, um, in in many ways we will, because the fruit does distinguish, uh, but oftentimes we're not able to tell until the end or until people have left the church for, for various reasons. And and, and when we say leave the church, it's not saying that, man, if if someone's not at our church or, or at a church that they're not a believer, um, but they very well may may go to another church or something where, where God will work. Um, so there's definitely reasons why people leave. Um, but when they leave and have no desire to be with the bride of Christ, whom they, who if they are saved, that that is who they are. Their identity is now tied into the bride of Christ, into the very yeah. body of Jesus. If they have no desire to be part of the body, meaning any church, um, then then we would say that they are not saved. So, so let's apply this uh, as we wrap up. We're we're pushing some time. Let's apply this. What does this What does this doctrine mean? What does this mean for the believer? Man, I I, I think it's meant to to fill us with joy. I think it's meant to to encourage us to work. I mean, here we have all these commands in Scripture for us to work, for us to, uh, to love, for us to serve, for us to do these things. And what we understand, these things do not, uh, do not save us, but they are the evidence of our faith. And, and we do them then on the basis of knowing that God's grace is working in us. So we're not, we're not filled with anxiety, hoping to do enough, hoping to earn. Yeah. We know that we have been united. We are adopted. Therefore, the reason we work is, is out of grace. It's out of love. It's out of this, this peace and this rest that we have in Jesus. So I think it's meant to, to encourage us to work even harder. Uh, I think it's meant to lead us to worship that, we're secure in the love and the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that his spirit is working in us as the guarantee of our salvation. Man, it fills us with hope, fills us with joy, fills us with just praises of God. So I think those are at least two things right there that, that it does. 
Well, I think I think the whole the whole doctrine uh, series, uh, Tulip, should give us confidence that God, it is God who is working in and through us, and He will bring He will bring His work to completion, both in us and in others. Um, like we don't have to fear; we can be we can we can uh, courageously proclaim the gospel. We can. We can uh, courageously go to unreached places. Uh, we should, with joy, uh, uh, be confident um, that we are forgiven, uh, that we can approach the throne room of God. We can stand in grace, as Paul says in the book of Romans. Um, and so it, it actually empowers. It empowers ministry. It empowers missional living. Uh, it allows us to, to love all people, um, uh, and, and really it, it should, if we truly understand, and I'm looking at your Kevin DeYoung quote down at the bottom, it sh- if we truly understand this doctrine, it should lead us to the final, the, the capstone of the Reformation Christ, Soli Deo Gloria. Yeah, very good. Uh, to yeah. God alone be the glory. This is... Praise him for what he has done. Uh, do you want to read that that quote? Yeah, it's a good quote. I. Yeah, it says if there was, if ever there was a, it's not about me faith. It should be the reform faith. We did not choose to be elect. We did not choose to die for our sins. We did not raise ourselves from the grave. We did not conjure up the miracle of faith. We will not, by our own free will, finish the race. We need a God who does the unconditional electing, a God who does the effectual dying, a God who does the supernatural resurrecting, a God who does the unilateral gifting, and a God who does the unbreakable preserving. That's the grace we need. That's the God we worship. To this God alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be honor and glory forever. Amen. Man, I think I think that's a good way to end right there. Yeah, I agree. You want to pray us out? You bet. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you that we have been called by you. We thank you that you've opened our ears to hear your voice. To follow you. We thank you that we belong to you. We thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you are the gate. We thank you that you preserve us, Lord, that, that no one can snatch us out of your hand, Lord, that you hold on to us. And you keep us and you preserve us and you you will deliver us in the end. And so Lord, we praise you. We, may this draw us to, to worship. May this this truth draw us, Lord, to pursue you, to know you, to to, uh, to holiness, to sanctification. May it draw us to share, to proclaim your gospel, the good news of your grace. May it draw us to trust you, to lean into you, that you would be glorified and and known in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Satisfied.
Yes, you I have. To, yes, yes, you have. Hey, real quick, uh, if you have been enjoying uh, listening to these podcasts, what we'd really like you to do also is not only check out our website, which you can go to satisfiedinchrist.life. Um, but uh, we would love for you, if you're on iTunes or um, SoundCloud, is to leave a comment. Uh, leave a comment, let us know what you're thinking, and we would love for you to do that. Also, feel free to leave any comments if you have questions. Um, if you'd like us to talk about anything, discuss uh, something re- regarding uh, God's Word or, or anything in culture, uh, do that on our website. We would love to be able to address that. Uh, you've been listening to Satisfied in Christ. Life.